Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do. I do. Well, get on with your bad selves. Yeah. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha! everybody! Welcome to another very special episode of The Entrepreneur Now Podcast. I am your host, Heath Armstrong! Whoever you are, wherever you may be, whatever you may be creating, if you're pulling your pants down and running around outside where you shouldn't be, you better get back in and start working on something that's going to change your life. Take that step forward, get in that funky little groove, and you can accomplish some amazing, amazing things. So I do have a little special for you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And it's actually a pretty deep subject, but before I start, I just wanted to give a shout out to Kelsey Manning. Uh, Kelsey22, she left me a review on iTunes and it says, Absolutely inspirational! Great for any person who wants to learn from some amazing people who have accomplished and overcome some of the craziest things on their personal way to success! Kelsey, I know you meant that much energy when you left the review, so thank you so, so much for leaving it. I am pumped that we got to cross paths. You are amazing. We're on the same page, and I cannot wait to continue recreating our lives together and with everybody else who's going to jump on this psycho ship. All right. So with that being said, everybody else who has left me a review, I really appreciate it. I am completely humbled that you all listen to this show. I do it for free. I do it because I want to help everybody change the course of their life and realize that you can do the things that you want to do. And how I do that, I bring on these amazing guests who are dominating their life all over the world. And they teach us in every episode how they're doing it. And we can take little bits and pieces away from each episode and build on that. And it's not going to happen overnight, guys. It's not. I mean, it, it just doesn't. I've been working on this for so long now. And I'm just now getting up the ramp. But I'm telling you, with a little bit of persistence, a little high-fiving, a little boogieing, a little jiving, a little running around with your pants down, you'll get there. And you'll be where you want to be. And it's going to change everything. So, today I wanted to talk to you guys about how I almost died. Not once, but twice. And this is serious because it's really allowed me to look back and reflect on myself, what I've done since then, and what life truly means to me. Now, I think a lot of people, they don't realize the value of life until somebody really close to them dies. So say your mom or your dad passes away, or your brother or your sister. When they're there and then they're gone, it's really like the first time you get hit solid with, wow, you know, th- this isn't certain. We're not always going to be here. We're not always going to have this opportunity. This could end at any time, right? Well, for me, I was lucky enough to not have to deal with anything like that for a long time. 
And it took me a little longer in life to realize that, you know, the world didn't revolve around myself and my friends and the things that we wanted to do. And I'll be the first one to admit that. And it's just something that I think every kid goes through. You, you, you know, you have a certain level of maturity and you have this excessive level of immaturity. Boys are probably a little more immature than girls, but depending on how you're raised and the things that you have to deal with when you're younger, it, it's very, very difficult to understand that it could just end any moment. You, you really take that for granted. So this is really chilling to think about. But I was very close to dying twice, okay? And both of these incidents have played over thousands and thousands of times in my head. I mean, sometimes every single day, it seems like I'm thinking about these. It makes me analyze and question everything. Everything. I mean, maybe not the boxers I put on in the morning or like, you know, the next person I'm going to run into and give a high five or anything like that. But it makes me question mostly everything in my life. So how did it happen? How did I survive? How did I how did I reflect on this huge moment in my life and turn it around to arrive at this point of basically, you know, me running around constantly fist pumping, bringing the energy, bringing the love, creating the love revolution, taking it to the stars. Well, I grew up with the typical problem that most kids have. I judged others. You know, I think that with the media, the way it is nowadays and the way that we were kind of raised in the 90s, not saying my parents did anything, but late 80s, 80s, early 90s, media was really hitting hard. You had MTV, you had all this junk. So if you were around and and you didn't look like me, you didn't dress like me, or you didn't dwell inside my certain closed-minded group of friends, you know, then chances are I wasn't I was going to judge you. Why? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe... Maybe I was, you know, selfish. Maybe I was closed-minded. Maybe I was being a teenager. Who knows? I was a kid who felt fear towards anything different than me. That's why a common problem that 99% of adults in this world still have is judging others. Adults. I mean, you go to a workplace and the drama is almost worse than it was when you were in middle school. (laughs) I mean, think about it. Let's see which one of us can piss the farthest, all right? Let's, who's got the best outlook on the next celebrity who's going to get married and have eight kids? Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, seriously. So, it's a problem that people still struggle with, but I'll get back to that in a minute. So, my first encounter really close with a scare of death was really a first reality of suicide that I had. Now, it didn't involve my life, but it involved a best friend of mine. And he, what he did was, his dad had this BMW, right? He took the car keys. He's only like 15 years old. He doesn't have a license. And he took it for a spin. He took it around the town. He got back into the neighborhood. And when he was almost about to pull into his house, he was pulled over. Well, he got in trouble. You know, he didn't have his license. He was a kid. But, To a kid that age, getting your license is everything. So that when he got taken in and punished, and they told him that there was going to be a possibility that he wasn't going to be able to drive or get his license until he was 18 now, it was like the end of the world to him, okay? It was not a big deal for most people that are older 
that have to look back on things like that that happened now. Like if I were to look back and that happened to me and I wasn't allowed to get my license till I was 18, so be it. I get it when I'm 18. It doesn't matter a bit now. But when you're that age, that two years can be forever and that can be embarrassing. And, and for some reason, it really hit him hard, okay? I was staying at his house that night and I remember standing in the hallway upstairs when he asked me to leave. He wanted me to leave his house. I noticed he was tearing up like his eyes were red. He was starting to cry. And my only instinct was overwhelmingly cautious. Like something just didn't feel right. It felt really, really, really wrong. Like beyond a point of normal emotion wrong. So he shut his bedroom door and locked it. And it it freaked me out a little bit. Like why, you know, why would I have to leave? What is he doing in there? You know, maybe he wants to be alone because he's crying. I don't know. But that's when I heard a, a rifle cock a gun not a sound that I'd heard a lot growing up my parents didn't really have guns but I knew what it sounded like and my memory was kind of white for a moment it was kind of blurry I remember the situation I don't remember exactly the steps but something in my adrenaline kicked in and I ended up busting that door in okay he was sitting on the end of the bed he had a white t-shirt on he had big jeans because that's what we used to wear back then those jinkos or whatever and he had a rifle in his mouth and he was ferociously crying like in an obvious lost state of mind ferociously crying and when I saw the rifle in his mouth I mean I was almost in pure shock I didn't know what to do I didn't know what to say but as soon as I did he pulled the trigger and the gun clicked the chamber was empty okay I don't know what would have happened if it wasn't. I don't know how much it would have messed me up for the rest of my life. But the incident was so, so scary. He frantically struggled to reload the gun and put another bullet in or figure out why it didn't shoot. I mean, he was going to do this. And that's about when I collided with him. I mean, I just, I rushed, I charged, I got the gun away from him, okay? And it took me probably quite a bit of help like I remember his little brother being there and I remember him wrestling with him and we tried to get it away we finally got the gun away and I ran into the another room across the hall there was one just straight straight across the hall and I threw the gun underneath the mattress and threw the blankets back on top of the bed and you know I started to cry I mean my heart was beating I I started to cry. The gun was loaded. Why would anybody want to do that? Why didn't it fire when he wanted it to go? You know, how was I able to sense something was drastically wrong despite him seeming, seeming, you know, sort of normal and stay there and and bust that door open? You know, what, what would have happened if I would have left? Would he have been successful with it? You know, I don't know the answers. But I was distraught. I remember leaving that night and just going home and bawling my eyes out. Like I had never been that scared before. And it and it really was clear to me that we can leave this world with something as simple as pulling the trigger of a gun. Or we can leave this world with something as simple as a car wreck or a heart attack or anything. Being in the wrong place at the wrong time, you just never know what can take you out of this world. 
My friend is fine today. You know, I, I haven't talked to him really since that much. I lost touch with him shortly after the incident. You know, I know he has a family and I know he has a good job and I always knew he'd make a great father. I mean, he was always a very humble person. But I mean, how would it have been differently if, if it would have succeeded? The beautiful life of his children and his wife and none of that would even exist. The world would be a much colder, a much darker place. So life went on and, and I went to college. Woohoo! Like the average middle class punk, I applied for loans, I got in, I moved my stuff into the dorm room, I was ready to party! Party with my pants down! I followed certain major trends, you know. I went after the money with my major, not what I really wanted to do. And I continued to judge others who weren't like me. Imagine that. You get to college, you're still judging people. It was in my roots. That's what I did. That's what everybody did. We made fun of other people. We judged them. Uh, it, it was terrible. Again, it was all out of fear. It was all out of tradition. And I grew up believing that that normal was the goal. You know, to get a job, to make more money, to get married, to have kids, have lots of kids, judge others, gossip, drag myself out of bed until retirement, you know, live to die. Drag myself out of bed until retirement. Live to die. That was it. Well, this is a story, you know, towards the end of college where a gothic kid that I would most likely judge saved my life. So I, I was a goofy college kid, right? With attributes including very clumsy, tall, lanky, pale, kind of a punk, borderline alcoholic. I always did very well with school. I tested very well, but it wasn't something that I put a lot of effort into. I like to party. I like to hang out with girls. I like to cause mayhem, get obliterated at concerts, and wake up face down, pants down in the bushes. I used to smoke quite a bit of ganja. I'm not going to lie. Quite a bit. I'm not saying any of this stuff is wrong now. If that's your thing, that's your thing. But it wasn't. It was my entire world then. Okay, it was a sad, closed-minded world, but it's what I did every day. It was on repeat. So walking back to my car one day, I had just got out of a stats class. I had this amazing professor. He played in bluegrass bands all over the nation, and it was basically the only reason I went to the class. And my hair was long, and it was in my face. My earphones were blaring tools, ticks, and leeches, I remember particularly. And I was thinking about the next belligerent activity I was going to participate in when I got home. You know, what we're going to, what we're going to do? We're going to tape 40s to our hands and see who could drink them the fastest? Were we going to go out and blow stuff up? I mean, we're we going to run around the house naked with tube socks on? I mean, who knows? We did some crazy stuff. We did it every, every day. It was college. It was ridiculous. We were in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. There's nothing else to do. We played a lot of poker. We drank a lot of whiskey. Uh, we played a lot of Call of Duty. Lots of Xbox and Halo. We, you know, bong rip after bong rip. Would it be boobies and music, or we're we gonna get real high tonight and play some more video games? I don't know. I'm just not sure. I was standing in front of the Cross Rock after I left that class. Right, I crossed this thing like a hundred times. 
and I was waiting on the light to turn green, but I guess I wasn't really paying that much attention. And because there was a crosswalk there, maybe I felt like there was some kind of sense of comfort. I don't know. And I can't remember if the light turned green or if I just thought it did. But for some reason, I took a step out into that street. I didn't look in either direction. I just kind of remember looking up. I was looking down. I walked a lot with my head down because back then, you know, I had a lot going on in my head and I just, I guess I just wasn't really that happy. But as soon as I stepped out onto the street, I felt this giant jerk on my back. My neck whiplash backwards. I lost my balance and I fell back on the sidewalk. And as I fell, this like gigantic, gigantic gust of wind hit me in the face and I, I kind of came to and realized that there was a bus coming like 40 miles an hour. And I tried to step in front of that bus. And it wasn't stopping. This bus was hauling ass through the stoplight. And I was stepping in front of it. This kid behind me grabbed my backpack and pulled me back from the bus. He saved my life. The kid was small. I remember him being real small. He was a white kid with black hair. Might have been dyed black. He was dressed in all black. And I think he had some black makeup on him. I mean, he was very, very gothic. He had black fingernails. I know that. And he just looked at me and he said, Dude, you almost died. And I'm, in, I'm sitting on the ground like I'm still in shock. And I'm getting chills and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. But all I could think about was, holy shit, this kid just saved my life. I mean, he saved my life. And I was, I was just, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. It was the same feeling I got when my friend had the rifle in his mouth. Just shocked. Just, just battled with, you know, tinkering on the edge of life. Something about that is not a comfortable place. It was a weird feeling, and I felt like something supernatural was absolutely present. And I, I went immediately from feeling like an invincible college badass to a small, small, small person in the world. It was the first time I realized that death is absolutely certain. Not just to other people, but to me this time. Back to my point that I was talking about earlier, you know. I never judged that gothic kid again. I never judged any gothic kid again. In fact, to me, they somewhat symbolize my second chance at life in a weird way. Every time I hear someone making fun, pointing fingers, judging that others are different... Except for Andy Dalton, the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. You can make fun of him all you want. But <laughs> I am immediately reminded of blinders that I used to wear growing up. And the fear I once had to be different. I used to be so, so scared to be different. I went from being so out of touch with the actual person inside the body to being overwhelmingly intrigued with those who were different from me, wearing their shells proudly. Like, 
this very curiosity to network with and understand different creative minds is what stemmed into this podcast and this blog in the first place. I am intrigued to meet others that are different from me and learn about them because it blew my head wide open to see this kid that I would have thought would have been the one to kick somebody in the street, reach out and spare a life. It's powerful. It changed my view on everything. It is the driving force behind why I have decided to recreate myself and become a champion. I owe everything to this small gothic kid with an overwhelmingly large heart. I owe you everything. All right, round two. The first time I was under arrest, it was a physical thing. The second time was completely mental. A plane ride saved my life. I had graduated college. I was ready to embark on the dream life of building a corporate career, you know, making cash money, planning a retirement for my uncertain future. And I was on my way to a job interview in Houston, Texas on a flight that would literally save my life. It was packed house. I was concentrating on my upcoming interview with this company. I had this little binder in my lap and, you know, just probably procrastinating the hell out of it because the job did not interest me at all. And the guy next to me had a bald head and a sweet, sweet ass goatee and a considerable amount of tattoos. There was something about him that just seemed ultra intriguing. Like, I mean, it was one of those times where you meet somebody and you just get this feeling like there's something special about him. And this was before I really even started talking to him. I was just immediately interested in the guy and like, what you know, not in a gay way, but like in a, <laughs> in a, well, I'm not even going to go there, but uh, I can't remember exactly what initiated our conversation, but I remember telling him that I had an interview and shamefully explaining the sort of work that I was in. And it was like he turned his headlights on and blinded me immediately. I just felt like as soon as I was talking to him about what I was doing, I was questioning myself before he even had to talk. Like, is this really what I want to be doing? And he said, do you love it? That's all he said to me. And my reaction was, what? <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess. No. I mean, I don't know. And he said, then why are you doing it? Well, that's a tough question. You know, I mean, you got your family that influences you. You have all of your peers. You know, who's going to make the most money when you graduate college? How are you going to support yourself? How are you going to buy a house and sign up for one of these big bag mortgages? How are you going to pay for all your bills and pay for all the stuff that you're going to buy and all the materialistic things that you're going to buy that, to make you happy because your job isn't making you happy during the day? How am I going to do that? You know, it's a really good question. It was the first time I realized that I was doing it because I thought I had to. I thought it was normal and required by society. I finally put two and two together and realized that even though a different type of person saved my life and allowed me a second chance, I still wasn't changing myself beyond my acceptance to engage with these unique strangers. I was still slowly dying inside. 
The man sitting next to me was Jared Miller. He goes by Jared and Gaza now. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. And you can read an interesting post on why he changed his last name on his blog at jaredandgaza.com. It's A-N-G-A-Z-A. He was literally the most interesting person I have ever met. Guys, I'm not kidding. And even though our conversation was capped at like two hours, he saved my life on that plane. He saved my life mentally. He saved my life going forwards. He saved my thought process. It was like he gave me a shot to reinvent myself. You know, I, I was blown away about the stuff this guy was telling me. He said something about he was over in Rwanda and he had created an organization where he was helping victims of the Rwandan genocide make a living by teaching them arts and crafts and how to make jewelry. And then he was bringing this jewelry over to the United States and he was selling it, marking it up to celebrities and and things like that and taking the money back to these villages to develop them, to help these women live, to help these families. And something had happened between him and he, he had gotten kidnapped by the rebel forces or something. And I don't know if it was NATO or the United States. They, they, had to, they had to get him back to the United States for a while. So he was telling me about that. I didn't know whether to believe him or not. I mean, why would you not believe him? Because it sounds so extreme. But at the same time, like I'd never met somebody to tell me anything like that. Everybody I knew grew up in Tennessee, stayed in Tennessee, went to college, got a job, doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. I had never met anybody this different before. And it once again, like it was so intriguing to me. So he started telling me about his his beautiful girlfriend that was out there working with him and the society that he had started. I, I, I swear back then it was called sisters of Rwanda, but now I think it goes under Keza, which is K E Z a. And it's still around, but he told me about his village and he showed me pictures on his phone. Uh, he showed me a picture of a black mamba in one of his huts. And it was, it was, uh, he, he had hit it with a machete or something. And there was this giant lizard in its mouth, which was insane. I had never seen anything like that before. It's crazy. He told me about the real Rastafarans and how they really respected what he was doing there and they were protected his village for him. I mean, that is pretty cool. See, he was setting up a system that would allow these women to receive funding and survive. Jared was saving lives every single day. He was creating a foundation Every single day. I was in awe. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I had never had so much respect for somebody in my entire life. His mission is infectiously changing the world. Infectiously changing the world. we got off the plane, I even made a point to purchase a couple of the necklaces for my mother and my sister because they're beautiful. 
I wanted to support the cause. That was the only way that I could do it. And I remember him telling me, you can do something like this too. Anytime you want. You can go to Africa. You can help too. You just have to make the decision to do it. I will never, ever forget that. Ever. And to take it a step farther, (laughs) this is when it all gets really crazy. It was very surreal to me to meet Jared, right? But before he left, it wasn't just, okay, have a good one. He left a message with me. He briefly mentioned a little bit about his father. (laughs) And here's here's the crazy thing. His father is Dan Miller. You know, 48 days, uh, no more Mondays, huge podcast, huge time author, a guy that I am a huge fan of. And he tells me about Dan. I didn't know who Dan was at the time. You know, this was a long time ago. His father's influence was playing a huge role on Jared attacking his life of pure meeting. He told me about the foundation and the support that his family gave him. A couple days later in the mail, I got a book shipped to me from Nashville. And it was called No More Mondays. It was Dan's book. And I'm thinking like, wow. <laughs> this guy is this guy honestly cares about where I lead myself in the future. He honestly wants me to follow a path that's going to make me happy. He has this unconditional love for no reason. And to this day I realize that everybody should have that kind of unconditional love for each other. We are all combined into one positive energy and we can all work together to make big, big things happen. So I got his father's book, No More Mondays, and I marked that thing up. I marked it up, highlighters, pens. I read the entire thing and it changed my perspective on everything. So to Jared, thank you so much for sending that book. And Dan, thank you so much for writing that book. Thank you so much for your podcast, 48days.com. Thank you for the entire platform and everything that you are doing for all of these people. It's amazing. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Jared, man, dude. Thank you so much for what you're doing in Africa, for what you're doing around the world, for the example that you're setting to giving us all a milestone to work towards, to help recreate ourselves so that we can combine forces and help change this world like you were doing. Thank you for that. I mean, I can't say thank you enough. I have rewired the way that I think. It took me a few years to let that book settle in. It was the first book I've ever read like that. But his ongoing messages have been an anchor for saving my life ever since. I am now making it a mission to help others pursue the life that they love and change the world through this podcast, through this platform, through my goals to set up the Artsy Now Foundation. 
I want to help save lives. I want to help people from going down that path that they don't have to go down. I don't want them to waste years of their life doing something that they hate because they don't have to. Some exciting news recently I heard that Jared and Dan have written a new book together called Wisdom Meets Passion. I cannot wait to absorb it. I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy of it. I'm forever in debt to that humble little gothic kid that saved my life, that pulled me physically away from the bus. I'm forever in debt to Jared for making me realize that this world is a much bigger place than what's inside of my head. And I'm forever in debt to Dan for his message and his pursuit to change this world and infectiously create this giant community of like-minded people who want to do something much bigger than please themselves. They're here to do something much, much larger. I love it. I love the message. I love that I was lucky enough, coincidentally, or from a higher being, whatever it may be, to be in those positions at those times to give me those reality checks. I can't help but think that it wasn't just a coincidence that those that those strangers were sharing those exact spots on this great big planet with me at those exact moments that I needed them to be there. It's so surreal to ponder on the thought of where I might be or if I would even be had they have not been there. There's a dedication in No More Mondays that I really reflected on. And I could tell that Jared was highly influenced by his dad. And so when I read Dan's dedication to his dad in the book, it hit heart with me. It says, to my dad, Ray F. Miller, who taught me that work was not something to be avoided, but rather something to be done with wholehearted effort, character, and integrity. Your model of believing we are temporary stewards of animals, tools, land, and friendships continues to call me to a daily accountability of those resources. Now you see why Jared had such an amazing influence. So guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, remember... Every day is a bonus round, all right? Every single day is a bonus round. Every single breath that you take is a step to a much larger meaning. Now, how powerful is that to think of? Never stop showing the people that you love how much they mean to you. Don't. Love unconditionally. Life is created through us. And we do, we absolutely do have the ability to save ourselves and others. Be different. Be bold. Cleanse yourself from judgment. Recognize the beauty within each other. Don't judge. Don't make that mistake. It might save your life one day. If there's anybody out there listening to this that has had an experience like this. I would love to hear about it. I mean, it's extremely intriguing to me. 
Hit me up on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. Shoot me an email at create at artsynow.com. Or you can go to the website and, of course, get on the, the mailing list and email me that way as well. But I, I honestly do want to connect with you. I want to know what has happened to other people. What kind of incidents have occurred? Like, how far are you into this? Because I'm all in. I want to get out there. I want to boogie down. I want to create this life that I love and I'm going to. And I want to take all of you with me every step of the way. So thank you again for listening. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate every single one of you. I love every single one of you unconditionally. Dan, Jared, the little gothic kid out there. If I could find you, man. You're the reason I'm here. You're the reason that everybody is listening to this right now. Hit me up and check out all the other interviews where I interview amazing creative entrepreneurs all over the world for all the show notes for any one of the shows. It's artsynow.com. Hit me up. Don't be shy. Ta-ta. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archapreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.